Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast with your hosts Jason, Jacob, and Jeff. And today we are all calling in because we're pretty much snowed in. If you, uh, I think pretty much most of the state got hit with this big snowstorm here, what is it, January 20th. So everybody's at home calling in to record a podcast and uh, so everybody's on the phone. Before we get into today's topic, I want to remind everybody that we still have shirts for sale. So we have the Eat Local Ohio Huntsman shirts. We also have hooded sweatshirts. So with this winter weather, if you're looking for something to stay warm, get yourself an Ohio Huntsman hoodie. With that, any other updates before we get into our topic you guys have? No. Uh, I got I got a quick one. Um, I did pull a camera I had out at the farm out in eastern Ohio. Uh, and the biggest buck we had out there seems to have made it through muzzleloader. So hopefully nice. he'll be around. Oh, yeah, that's next year. That's that's exciting news. Yep. I mean, he. I had him on camera the Saturday or Sunday of muzzleloader. Or no, we were out there Sunday. Yeah. So I think I had him on camera the Saturday of muzzleloader. We were out there Sunday. We obviously did not harvest him, and the farm did not get hunted. So as long as he stayed home, so to speak, he survived muzzleloader season. And I can't imagine he would have wandered. Um, I know no one else hunted that area of the farm for muzzleloader. So you don't have after muzzleloader. Well, actual proof, I guess. No. He survived at least two muzzleloader. I never okay. got a picture of him after the season, but that's not uncommon. I mean, he wasn't super, he didn't make himself super visible on camera to start with. So that's not shocking to me that I didn't get pictures of him after the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I maybe only got 10 pictures of him all year. Okay. So he wasn't a, you know, he's not a, camera star you got some other trail camera news and that uh you got a nice little christmas present related to trail cameras i did i did unfortunately i haven't uh gotten to use it much it's been a little bit of a hassle to get it up and running but i got a cellular trail camera for christmas from my wonderful wife so that's i'm excited to get that and use that um, as a scouting tool going into the next season I had some issues getting it firmware updated and getting it running, but it's all good to go. It's working, but it's not being used currently because I found out that where I wanted to use it, there's not enough cell service to use it. So I have to kind of move around. And so one downside of those type of cameras, if you hunt any type of rural area, those cell cameras have to have more cell service than what you have on your phone. Like my phone will pick up whatever, three bars of service somewhere, and the cell camera doesn't pick up hardly any. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's cell service to get those to transmit pictures. Yeah, they, uh, that's what I've heard. They're kind of persnickety about the cell service, and, and a lot of them actually sell, like, antenna extenders to, or, or I guess they're extenders or maybe amplifiers because the internal antennas aren't that good. It seems like it's a design thing, right? They just haven't, there's their, their trail camera companies trying to do cellular 
Whereas if they could optimize their antennas, like in your in your cell phone, right? If they spent more time developing the the cellular antennas, that they would work better, right? I mean, your cell phone mm-hmm. works, right? right? <laughs> you know, so why can't they replicate those antennas in your camera? I feel like yeah. they get there. We're on the way there, but they're still kind of persnickety. So I'm excited about it just because just from the the tech standpoint and and being able to get those pictures, you know, emailed to you or or text messages, you know, which is just kind of exciting. Cool new toy, I guess. Yep. Okay. Well, then uh, we'll get into the topic. So what we wanted to do today is kind of do sort of our seasons in in review. We did, uh, it was sometime before season started or, or, or early season, we did a, our goals for the 2018 season. So we're going to kind of rehash those goals, how we did on them, any other takeaways we had from the season, things that we learned this year, things that we're going to maybe implement next year based on happenings from this year. So I'll start. One of the things I wanted to do, one of my goals for the 2018 season was to start keeping a hunting journal. And I've done that. I haven't been perfect at it. There's a few hunts that I forgot or missed or or whatnot. And if, if you remember, if you listened to that episode, I wasn't really using this as a as a tool, a hunting tool per se. It was more of a, I want to sort of jot down the memories, what I saw, how it went, what, you know, that kind of thing, just as a... A, just a cool keepsake to have someday for, for my kids or, or just to look back on in the future. So I have been doing that. I guess that's, <laughs> that's all I have is I've been doing it and it, it's been going well. I've not been perfect at it, but I think I'm going to continue to do it. What do you guys got? Do you have one? Uh, well, I mean, along those same lines for me, I said, you know, that's something that I thought would be interesting or something that I might do. I, on the other hand, have completely failed at that. Uh, I did not keep a journal or any type of record of my hunts other than telling you guys about it. So, unfortunately, that doesn't uh, count. So, that's something I'll carry over, I guess, probably into this next year's goals is to maybe get in that routine. Uh, It's just hard for me to... uh, carve the time out to hunt and then after I get home and have to get everything debriefed and unloaded and cleaned up and then to sit down and type something up or jot something down when the kids are you know wanting to play and whatever I just struggled with it so I'll have to try and revamp that and figure out how I'm going to fit it in because I definitely like the idea I know I really get a lot of enjoyment of reading you know other people's hunting stories down at our camp her cabin down in southern ohio um you know they did that at one point they were jotting down you know so and so went up behind the oil tank and saw this many deer or whatever so just stuff like that yeah and i like i had intended to do it when i got back into the car before i headed home but that hasn't happened at all because like you know as you know right you you hunt and then it's like the hunt's over i gotta get home i got some kind of family commitment gotta get home you know, no time to do that. So I've, mine's ended up being like, after I get my daughter to bed, then I, I need to remember, I I try to remember to then go back and, and jot down the notes or like the next morning before she gets up, that sort of thing. Cause once she's up and the day started, then there, there's no, there's no time for that. And then that's how I've forgotten a couple because 
I just didn't do that. And then it's, you know, months have gone by and, you know, the details are kind of fuzzy at this point and just didn't get done. So, so one of my other ones was like, I wanted to get a more intricate knowledge of, of the properties we hunt. I, I haven't done anything, uh, special other than just try to pay attention to where I'm seeing beds, where I'm seeing travel paths a little bit. So I, I, I do feel like I've gained a little bit of knowledge on that, but I didn't, I didn't do any specific sort of scouting. Wow. I really kind of enunciated my scouting there. <laughs> I haven't done anything special though to, to sort of make that one. That, that one just kind of fell by the wayside. One I did do though is I wanted to try deer heart. So if you guys have been following on our social, I, Jeff, did you, did you have any deer heart this year? I know Jake I and I, not. Jake, I didn't have Jeff any. did not. So Jake, Jake and I both tried deer heart for the first time this year and both really enjoyed it. I know Jake, you, you followed, um, basically followed Hank Shaw's recipe in, in his book, right? His, his, uh, what was that in buck, buck moose? I believe it was, yeah, it was either Hank Shaw's or I don't even remember at this point. It was either Hank Shaw's or it was out of the, um, Steve Ranella book. I want, it was the one with the like the the roasted peppers and he had the marinade right yeah i'm pretty sure that was hank shaw's but yeah um yeah i followed that and intended to serve it to all of us i forget what we even had everyone over my house for but whatever it was trick or treat or something i think trick or treat i think it was i think it was trick or treat and it just one thing led to another, got late, time for everyone to go home. We never ate it. Yeah. Uh, so I sat in the marinade much longer than I anticipated. Uh, when I did you know, fry it up for lunch the next day, uh, it was phenomenal. I absolutely loved it. So I I did not marinate mine. I just kind of cut mine into big chunks and grilled it. And it ended up it ended up being probably more on like the medium rare side and it was good i i told my wife i felt like it was at least this one i had i've got a sample size of one here so far i do have another one in the freezer but i i felt like it was the most beef like cut of venison i've ever had you know it it just had that kind of steak because i just did my my regular steak seasonings salt and pepper and i think maybe a little garlic or something and it it turned out like the most steak like or beef like cut of venison I've ever had, and I I same thing I really enjoyed it. So I'm gonna. I actually I got, had two. I ate two this year. Unfortunately, my wife doesn't venture into that bit of eating, so I had I ate them both myself. Basically, I think I gave my uh, son a couple bites of the second one. And he liked it, but he, he loved it, right? Yeah. yeah, he loved it, but he likes your, just about everything. Your one-year-old, my one-year-old, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. want to clarify there that. Oh yeah, my one-year-old son. Yeah, I gave him, I gave him little bits of it. And my second one wasn't quite as good as my first one. I don't because I, the marinade, I didn't follow the recipe exactly. I just tried to remember it, and that it also didn't marinate as long. Uh, but still, not bad by any means. It just wasn't quite as good my first one when i ate it it was like it blew my mind how 
good it was. Like you said, it's very beef-like. It's very, I mean, there is no gamey taste to it at all. So you followed the the marinade recipe in Hank Shaw's book and then just fried it in butter? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I have a, it's like a butter spray, basically. It's almost like a, yeah, it's like a spray can that is like a butter spray that I just sprayed in the pan and fried it up. I cut okay. it. I mean, I cut it into slices or whatever, like it says to do in the recipe. Yeah. Uh, and then I just fried it up, and yeah, it was really good. Cool. All right. So, does anybody have another one, or do you want me to keep going? Uh, I can go ahead, Jeff. All right. Well, I was gonna go into uh, trying to get a black squirrel this year um, to finish my squirrel grand slam. That's squirrel grand slam. That's good because that dovetails into one of my other ones. So when you're done, I can I can pick right up from there. Which uh, that didn't happen. I tried hard to get one, but where I had black squirrels at, um, you know, my hot lead, I tried to hunt there a few times early season and never found one. And, uh, I, you know, was catching them on trail cameras, scouting for deer and they disappeared from theirs. You know, they weren't showing up on the trail camera anymore either. So I'm afraid that probably a hawk or something has gotten the ones that I was hunting for. So, uh, I'll have to look somewhere else next year. Yeah. I complete that grand slam. I didn't see any black squirrels this year. Not that I... Not that that's a thing that usually happens for me, but uh, I didn't see any black squirrels this year. But that also, like I said, that sort of dovetails into my other one of my other goals, which was do more small game hunting. And so again, if 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 you guys listeners have been following us on social, you've seen some squirrel hunting going on, and I've been it's been a quite a few years since I've done any squirrel hunting, and I've gotten back into it this year because it was one of my goals and. I've been loving it, man. It's it's an awesome time to just get out there and chase the tree ninjas, you know. It's get a lot of shot opportunities. You you know, you move around more, you don't have to sit and be super still and and freeze your rear end off and I've been doing mine. It was all all been kind of late season here, January time frame after gun season. I think it was uh I might have done one before muzzleloader. But then I've done two more squirrel hunts after muzzleloader and just really been enjoying it. So I, I'm going to try to make that a, uh, no, I, it was, it, my, my first squirrel hunt was before muzzleloader because it was New Year's Day. I did a, I did a squirrel hunt New Year's Day. So I'm going to try and make that part of my, part of my hunting season every year, I think, going forward. So, yeah, it, I, uh, I went with you on your last squirrel hunt. You and I went out together. Mm-hmm at the farm out in the eastern part of the state there. Yeah. Um, and I can vouch for the tree ninjas. The Some of the, the majority of the squirrels we did see certainly weren't standing still. They were uh, doing their jumping about between tree to tree. And it's I was just, when you're not hunting them, you don't realize it. But when you're actually trying to shoot them, you realize how quick they really can be and how challenging it can be. So I didn't end up getting a squirrel this year. I just went out that one time, but I had fun. Um, we were kind of pressed on time. 
so we didn't get it you know we spent a lot of time in the wrong place basically we just didn't yeah. know um once we got over to the spot where we probably would have had a lot more success we were just pressed on time yeah uh, but it was nice to get out and do it i can't remember the last time i squirrel hunted i mean it was probably when i was a kid you know like under i mean 10 years old or younger probably i right. i just never squirrel hunted for no reason really just i haven't done it <laughs> um yeah. so it was cool to get back into it and just kind of see it's funny the different things you see when you're uh, you notice about the woods when you're doing other things other than deer hunting you know like i've never as funny as it sounds i never knew what like a squirrel nest was like i'd seen them in the trees but i never thought about it because it didn't have anything to do with deer hunting right yeah so then when you're hunting squirrels you start looking for them and it's like holy crap there's 20 squirrel nests all within this tree stand that i've sat in and never seen any of them yeah <laughs> so it's just kind of kind of interesting one cool takeaway from that squirrel hunt we did it, it was not related to squirrels but but deer we we jumped a deer or maybe i don't know we saw a few tails you know in the in this woodlot that we were in and when we got over there to where these deer were, were bedded down you know you start following the tracks which way did they go sort of thing and at one point, those tracks just sort of, it looked like, ended. And it was like, well, how how on earth, you know, where did this deer go from here? And I don't know, Jake, how far was that? That was easy 12 feet, probably, more than that. I was going to say 15. Yeah. It over was, a eight, I mean, not eight foot, but probably six foot high. I was going to say four feet. Four or five, because it was like a chest yeah. height, I thought for me. Chest so it was height, yeah, it might have been. four or five yeah. foot haul, four or five feet off the ground, a down tree. This deer just, I mean, long jump. These tracks stopped and then they started up on the other side of this down tree, which was 12 to 15 feet over there. And I, I just stood there and was just astounded by just, it was like this deer just grew wings but you know if you looked farther up there the track started again and the only thing i can figure is it just long jumped over that stuff and it was just impressive i was impressed yeah i mean because those deer weren't the other thing is they weren't jumped you know we didn't jump them like rabbits we weren't right on top of them they were well out oh, in front yeah. of them yeah yeah here were i mean they were leaving the area but they were not running full speed i mean they were just kind of trotting their way out of there and right it was just so it's not like that deer was, you know, fleeing necessarily for its life at that point, you know, fight or flight. Right. It was just kind of getting out of there because it hurt us walking through the woods. Yeah. So I've, I think I've got one more and I think that was my last one. And that was I wanted to try those tree step aiders this year. So I bought that nylon tubular webbing and made one for each one of my tree steps. It worked. I used them all season for my tree stand. I only ever took three steps into the woods because I made up what I lost in height by not carrying the fourth step by by using these um, tubular webbing aiders, which like basically added another step to the bottom of my tree steps. And they worked. I don't... I'll probably modify them or try something different next season. Going up was great. Getting down was kind of a pain in that it's typically in the dark. You're kind of 
hanging there on the side of this tree, feeling around for something that can move, you know, and, and you're trying to get your boot into this, this loop, basically it's, that's what it, you know, it's, you basically made a loop in this tubular webbing to step down into. It's like a sling, you know, almost for your boot. And it, it was kind of hairy at times getting down out, especially like there was one instance in particular that I'm thinking of where it had rained and then gotten cold and I maybe left the tree stand, maybe I left the tree stand up overnight or something. And so when I came back, those things had frozen into this shape, like they weren't wide open like they normally are. They had frozen into this kind of a tighter U where my boot had been and it made it even harder to uh-huh. use them. So I've seen some where they use one long aider that you loop over the top of your step and then, it, you know, it's long enough to then loop down. I might try something like that or I don't know. We'll see. But I think I'm going to try something different next year. They worked, but they were kind of kind of a pain at times. At the very least, I may I may because I just put a, a piece of rope inside of them, inside the tubular webbing to kind of keep the step open. I might try something either a stiffer piece of rope or, or I've seen people put like garden hose inside of them or garden hose outside of them, run the webbing through a piece of, I've heard that that, uh, you know, that soaker style hose where it's just like a porous hose and, and you lay it along your garden or whatever. And the water soaks out all along the length of the hose. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard people using that because it's got that kind of rubberized rubbery texture on it. And then you run the webbing through the middle of that instead of putting something inside the tubular webbing. Might try that. Just something to tweak them to make them a little more usable. Cause there were times where it was like, man, this is kind of, this is kind of crazy. But, uh, that was it. I think for me, those were, those were my main goals. I think that I wanted to do. So what do you guys have left on your list? Uh, I have, um, one, that I had was um, introduce or take someone new hunting. I sort of did that. Not like I originally intended when I wrote the goal. I had some friends in mind that I had planned on t- taking hunting specifically, and neither one of them uh, were able to go. Or you know, the one is a hunter. He just, um, I've invited him a couple times, and he's wanted to come with us down to deer camp and has never been able to make it. Uh, again, this year just didn't work with schedules. Uh, the other f- friend I had in mind, I've tossed the idea around, but he's just got other competing hobbies that have kind of <laughs> kept him busy. Um, but I did take my daughter hunting, so that was kind of cool. I can't say it was much of a hunt per se. I mean, she's three and well, she was three and a half at the time. Yeah, I was going to say for listeners' sake, she's. She's only three, three and a half. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. So I took her, we sat in a ground blind, you know, I, I knew going into it that there was little to no chance a deer would come by, but she enjoyed it. She had fun time. She liked to take the binoculars and look for the deer. We had fun, you know, took a lot of snacks and I did that earlier in the season when it wasn't super cold, obviously. Yeah. That's a good idea. That was a cool experience. It was fun. You know, I'll try and I'll probably take her out again next year. Same thing. Just put her in a ground blind and it's just 
it means a lot to her to go hunting with daddy because I leave a lot and she never gets to go. Yeah. Uh, so that was cool. Another one I had was kind of two that kind of went together, but not really. I had one goal of getting a mature deer before gun season. And the reason for that is it takes some pressure off of gun season. I was able to harvest a deer with my bow this year prior to gun season. I wouldn't necessarily classify it as a mature deer, though. So I did get meat in the freezer, but it wasn't the mature deer that I was looking for necessarily. So it was nice to have deer, you know, and I ended up having a successful gun season. In general, all of us down there had a very good year. We saw a lot of deer. Our hunter numbers were way down where we hunt. So that left a lot of deer for the rest of us that were hunting. Yeah, we had a, I mean, this was one of the better years for gun gun week that I can remember in, in a while. Yeah. Yeah, the weather was really better than it's been. And the past, like you said, the past couple of years, it's been super warm and rainy. Well, we had the rain opening day, but... Yeah, we had the rain opening day, but then it cooled off nice and... Yeah, and we got a little bit of snow down there and... Right. Uh, and then my last... Well, I had... Um, one of my goals was to shoot a turkey. I've never actually shot a turkey, but... I also don't fall turkey hunt, so I didn't really have a chance to execute that goal yet since we set these goals. Yeah. I guess that was more of a 2018 goal that was going to happen in 2019. Right. So come spring turkey season, my goal is to harvest my first turkey. Yeah, that one's still TBD. Right. (laughs) And my last one I had was public land deer, which I was successful in doing. Uh, again, down at our hunting camp, we have a pretty good portion of the land we hunt is public down there. And I was able to harvest my buck for this year uh, down at the hunting camp on public land. Yeah, cool. All right, yeah. Jeff. My uh, primary goal this year was to target and harvest a mature buck, which I sure tried to do. And just just to kind of recap, you had sort of defined that as in the moment, something that looked mature, that kind of got you excited. You didn't have like a I'm going to shoot a five year old or anything like that. Right. No, 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 no age or point or score. You know, I was just going to kind of look at my trail camera photos, find out what what the biggest deer around were and try to harvest one of those. I wasn't very successful in finding big deer most of the places i hunt you know the the large deer weren't around i wasn't catching them on trail camera i would say uh the two largest deer i saw this year were both two largest bucks that i saw this year both when i was tracking a wounded deer during uh november i had shot a large doe when I got to the point and found the arrow, I determined that the shot probably wasn't great. So that I was found- down at the cabin, right? Yes. That yes, was during was- our, our rut weekend or our rut vacation, right? Yeah. Yes. During the, the rut weekend. So uh, backed off of it. When I went back to look for that doe, I jumped a pretty large buck. That and I, I not shot that doe, I probably would have been sitting in the stand and had that buck come by. Yeah, um, I think I saw that buck the next 
I think that was the next morning I had one come across. Well, it didn't come across the street. It was in the bottom as I was walking walking down the road. And I just saw it go up the hillside on the other side of the road from where you had seen it or where you had seen a big buck. And this was a big buck going up the hill. And I can vouch it was a it was a big giant buck. Yeah, yeah. The other large buck I saw was helping dad track a deer. We tracked that deer a long ways, and uh, I came up out of a ravine to a cornfield, and there was a monster buck standing 10 yards away. Didn't pay much attention to me. You know, I didn't have any bow or anything on me, but didn't pay much attention to me, and eventually walked off um but it was it was huge that was was at the property behind his house or where was that at yep yep that was behind his house okay Uh, and uh so that buck that buck wouldn't have been on property you could have hunted because i believe if i remember the story right you guys had were tracking that deer off of the property onto neighbors correct correct yeah but uh yeah, that, that buck was probably legitimately a booner. Um, it was a very, very large buck. I passed on uh, a couple of bucks, only one that, you know, was of any real size at all. Everything else was, you know, one-year-old for sure, spikes and, you know, very small basket deer. Um, during the rut weekend at the cabin, I passed on a uh, a buck and it it was kind of a cool experience because he was you know larger and uh he hung around within you know 10 to 15 yards of my stand for you know maybe 10 minutes and i just watched him feed and that was a cool experience and you thought Um, that 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 might have been the deer that i shot opening day of gun season right yeah, I think it might have been uh, the deer that you shot opening day of gun season. Because I, I pulled out my phone and videotaped that deer, you know, walking around, feeding, and it looked very similar. Yeah. So, definitely possible. Um, I guess I do still have a little bit of time in the season this year to maybe get a mature buck, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll probably go out one or two more times before season ends. So we'll see what nothing, happens. Nothing really patterned though, right? It's it would just happen. One would just happen to happen to walk by, sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing patterned. Yeah, one would just happen have to happen to walk by. Okay. I think my other uh, goal was to try to uh expose my wife to some additional game meat and get her excited about you know eating more venison you know more cuts of venison and uh than other game squirrel dove or you know wild turkey you know get her eating it and enjoying it more i think i was pretty successful in that we cooked up the wild turkey that I got uh, last spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we cooked it like pulled pork and ate it like like pulled pork with barbecue sauce on it. Yeah. And she really enjoyed that. So that was a big win. I'm working on getting enough squirrel to uh, make a squirrel recipe or 
interested in making. What's that recipe? Is it uh, a secret secret uh, family recipe, or what do you can you share the recipe? Um, I mean, I don't know exactly all of the. I mean, because it kind of is a secret family recipe, but it's uh, I'm basically gonna cook squirrel like uh, chicken wings. Um, okay. So I don't know the exact recipe because it is kind of a family recipe for chicken wings that we're gonna try to convert into squirrel wings, if you will. I see. Well, for if people are looking for a recipe, I know Steve Rinella's new cookbook has a a squirrel hot legs, like you know, basically buffalo wings, but with squirrel legs. Yeah, it's got a recipe in there. If you're looking for to do something like that, I think I think I shared a a recipe from the Modern Carnivore. The, I think it's Modern Carn or, or Mod Carnivore or something dot com. They've got a recipe for squirrel hot wings or squirrel hot legs or whatever you buffalo squirrel legs if you want to whatever you want to call it but uh that's also something i want to try at some point yeah and that's where i originally got the idea was from the steve ranella uh meat eater cookbook um and that that also was done a lot um that cookbook for getting my wife excited about uh trying some some new game meat so I kind of succeeded, not as much as I would have liked to. You know, I wanted to try to get her interested in eating dove, but the couple times I went out dove hunting, I was not very successful. So okay, I put a I, kink in that plan. I was gonna say, like, I would I would be surprised that she didn't like dove, but it sounds like you didn't get any dove to try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that kind of, you know makes it difficult so i think that was all of uh all of my goals Um, okay so yeah so any before we sort of sign off do you guys have any other takeaways from anything you learned from the 2018 season anything you're you've you're already thinking about implementing for next year anything you're excited for going into 2019 um Uh, for me I feel like I um, got a little bit better understanding of the farm out in eastern part of the state and kind of how the deer are using at least the one woodlot. Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of excited going into next year to try and do a couple different sits. With you know, I have a climber stand, so I have a little bit of leeway as to where I'm gonna, what tree I'm gonna climb. Um, yeah. Try and get a couple different access points i'm gonna try and get in the woods different just to try different things uh because i know i mean it's pretty clear where they bed there's a thick bottom that's been timbered and then all the tops were kind of just left there and it's grown into a jungle so i know the deer are bedding down in there so it's just a matter of trying to figure out how to catch them coming and going without yeah. bumping them out yeah uh, so I, I'm kind of excited for next year because I feel like I got a little bit better understanding of how they're using the bedding and how they're coming and going and what routes they're using with it being farm country. It's not a whole lot of terrain to direct them, but there is enough terrain where you can, you can pick some spots. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. For sure. And you mentioned, you mentioned your, your climbing stand. This was the first year using the climber so any takeaways or or 
things that you're going to do differently next year with the take with the the climber or things that you liked about the climber? Uh, I mean, every time I use it, I get a little more comfortable with it. Uh, the first time you climb a tree with a climbing stand, it just it doesn't it's nerve wracking and it doesn't feel right. Uh, but the more I use it, the more comfortable I get with it. Uh, my only takeaway is it's I'm not by no means a big guy, but I'm also not small. <laughs> um, you know, I'm six foot tall, weigh just under 200 pounds. Like, I, but I feel a little bit confined in the stand, uh, especially when you get into, you know, the rut when you're trying to have, you know, rattling antlers and a grunt tube and doe estrus bleats and there's you know all your calls yeah. i found myself kind of getting up the tree but then kind of fumbling around with like where do i put everything and plus i have to have my bow and like i just it feels kind of tight quarters so i'm going to try and maybe figure out a way to get more of that stuff hung up or refined as to where it's going to go when i'm up there Right. Um, every time I try something different, I try putting my pack on this side of the stand versus that side, or do I hang the pack from the stand or from the tree? You know, where does my bow go? Do I hang my bow? Do I hold my bow? Depends how long I'm sitting there. You know, you don't want to hold your bow for hours and hours and hours. And then when, like, I know at one point I had to pee, so I set my bow down on a hook. And then the process of taking the bow off the hook, I had a rattling bag on that same hook and I knocked the bag down all the way to the ground. Yeah. I think, I think we told that story when, uh, you're approaching at the time. So it was just a mess. Yeah. I think if you want to hear that story, that was our, that was our rut weekend, right? Yes. Yeah. That happened the rut weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go, I don't know what episode number that is, but you know, you can go back and, and sort of hear that full story in that episode. You also said, uh, go ahead. Uh, upgrading the carrying system for that, right? You had mentioned better straps and, and maybe a hip belt so that you can maybe get in farther with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the straps, I just used the straps that came with it. Uh, it's a summit tree stand and not that the straps are bad or cheap necessarily they're fine um they're just not they're not made for comfort so yeah something a little more durable wider strap to be able to really get the up on my back and then maybe like you said a hip belt to also help keep the weight up because um i I just found that the stand would hang and kind of hang low. And then if I was stepping like over logs or something, my feet would catch the teeth part that bites into the tree. And it was like digging up my ankles. Yeah. So I have to find a way to get that stand kind of really <laughs> on my back to keep it away from my feet, especially if I'm, you know, going up a steep incline or stepping over a log or something. And that's when yeah. I kind of noticed it. So it's just refining it and doing, I mean, playing around with it, figuring out what works and what doesn't. Sure. Which that, uh, that's every time I hunt, I'm figuring out what, what I like, what I don't like, what am I using? What am I not using? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, uh, also that just kind of reminded me another thing that I tried this year for the first time, which we did a whole episode on that. It's one of the things we were trying or whatever, but, um, 
was that nose jammer stuff. Oh, yeah. I, How did that work? I, uh, it didn't. Um, didn't have, I didn't can't have a good it, experience with it, huh? No, I don't know. I can't say that I... Anytime I used it, I never saw deer. So I can't say that I got winded by deer. Okay. Like, I sprayed the nose jammer, and then the deer winded me. I just right. never saw deer. They didn't even come into... Like, I never saw them. So that could be bad luck, or they could be smelling that stuff and not coming. I don't know. So you um, didn't... You didn't use it every time you hunted? No. Okay. No. I used it on different occasions when I'd remember it or whatever, when I had it. You know, when it got to be the rut, I primarily would use, you know, a urine-based scent, you know, scent drag or scent wicks or that kind of stuff. So I didn't use nose jammer then because I didn't really want to cover up the urine scent. Um, I wanted them to smell that blowing in the wind or whatever, but early season I used it and I, every time I used it, I never saw a deer, but then, and how were, how were you using it? Were you using it? Like, were you just spraying your boots with it or how were you using it? Um, I sprayed my boots prior to walking in and then I also sprayed it like on the tree, so to speak. Um, right behind me or whatever you know like on the side of the tree so that in theory anywhere my human scent was blowing that would blow i see um or i'd spray it you know up once i got up in the tree i'd spray it on some branches and leaves if there was anything around me that i could spray it on okay whether that's the right way to use it i don't know i don't doesn't really tell you it's not like there's directions it just says basically to spray it as a cover scent kind of thing. Right. Uh, okay. I mean, it's a pretty potent flowery smell. It's kind of the best way I can explain it. Right. So it's definitely not a normal scent to where the deer would smell it, at least not in the areas I hunt, like on a regular basis, um, which I don't know that it's supposed to be, but it's, it's definitely powerful and it is a different scent than, anything i've smelled in the areas we hunt right like your more traditional kind of cover sense like your pine or your 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 um dirt or earth or whatever right those are kind of more traditional cover sense if you will right right it's certainly not that it's very floral flowery wall what you wouldn't assume would be a hunting scent right okay uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I can't say that it doesn't work. It's not like I saw a deer come in, you know, at 100 yards away, catch my wind and bust out when I had sprayed that. I just never saw deer at all. Right. But that's also not in a lot of the areas that I hunt. I don't have huge deer populations, so I don't see every deer I sit in the woods, you know, every day. I don't. Right. It's not uncommon to sit and not see something. Right. It's honestly more uncommon to see something than to not see something. Right. Not that I'm complaining that the deer densities are too low. It's just I'm not in my properties that I'm able to hunt are not thick with deer. They're probably what I would say would be healthy deer populations. So are you going to try and use it again next year or are you done with it what are your thoughts 
probably because I still have some, I'll probably play around with it. Okay. Uh, maybe more on my non, I guess, non, how's a good way to put this? I might use it, you know, on my not major hunts. So like my rut hunts, I'm probably not going to use it, but I didn't use right. it this year. Opening day, I probably won't use it. The times I think I'm going to see the most deer, I might toy around with it, especially if I get a deer early to where I can be more selective or play around more. Sure. You know, if I maybe see or if I see a non-mature deer coming in and I have it accessible, maybe I'll spray some of it and see if that deer, what it does, if it's downwind. You know, I don't know. I might see what I can do with it. But right. If I get on a, you know, if I get a big buck patterned, I'm probably not going to play around with it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so, any other, do you guys have any other, Jeff, do you have any takeaways, anything you learned, anything you want to implement for next year? Well, I think next year I'm, I'm going to try the same thing of uh, really targeting a mature buck. I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed it and didn't enjoy it, you know. It seems like uh, when you're targeting mature bucks, you're doing a lot of hunting and not seeing anything. Because right. a lot of times, you know, it's that mature buck is the only deer that's coming through that. Yep. You know, it's so it's either see that, that deer or nothing. So... I I think I'm <coughs> excuse me gonna you know try again next year to really get after uh, targeting mature bucks and I think I'll be a little smarter next year uh, with it you know if you know when when a spot goes cold I'm not gonna push it sure as much as I did this past year you know you see that that one big buck here and. It's okay. I'm gonna hunt there, and even though the trail cameras have gone cold, or you know whatever the deer sightings have gone cold, I'm still gonna sit there and try it. And I, I think that wasn't a good plan. I think I need to be more flexible in my planning. Yeah. Um, so I also, uh, you know, kind of learned a lot you know and you know because i i watched a lot more deer this year does and small bucks than i have in the past and you know i learned a, a lot about basically how much you can get away with <coughs> you know they how much noise even with a deer close to you you can make and send you know i had a mature doe you know five yards downwind of me and that deer didn't spook now that could have been that my scent was blowing over top of it i wasn't a tree stand or it could have just been luck but i thought that was a pretty cool experience to yeah have that deer so close and it never spooked never you know it walked away and actually walked back you know, and just feeding and then finally walked away again. So <laughs> I think next year I'm going to have the same goal. I think I'm going to try to target does a little harder during gun season 
I would say that I'm a little low on meat this year. Um, we'll see how it lasts me for the year, but I would say I'm a little low compared to in years past. So right. we'll see and we'll see how I feel come next year. If I, you know, run out of meat and, you know, may, I may have a different opinion come next year. Okay. I'll put this out. If anybody has a good, uh, cough remedy, let us know. Jeff's had this, this lingering cough for a while now. And <laughs> so let us know, hit us up with your, with your, with your best cough remedy. Cause I know Jeff's suffering with that. So, and you'll have to forgive us on the, you know, on the audio. It's just, you know, people get sick and we got, we got to keep the podcast coming. So, so for me, I will, uh, I guess I just, I really enjoyed this season. You know, we had a, we had, like we said, we had a really good gun season. It's, it it's been different with doing the podcast and, you know, kind of trying to document and share things to social this year, which we haven't done in the past. So there's been a learning curve there, just what works, things that I thought were going to work that didn't, things that, uh, need refined just to to be able to better share the information get the information out to social and remember things document things so that i that we can talk about them on the show and recording down at the cabin because that was something we tried to do this year and and some things work some things didn't you know forgetting stuff that you needed or not having time to get to it till 10 30 11 o'clock at night and you know that it was kind of you know we everybody's exhausted but got to do this podcast not complaining at all but just like that was a um something that i learned that like we might need to if we're going to do recordings at the podcast or let me try that again if we're going to do podcasts while we're hunting you know we're going to just kind of have to think through the logistics of how to make that work and how to make sure we've got time for that that sort of thing i think i may sort of venture into the mature buck realm next season we'll see i don't know it's uh it's great to shoot a big giant buck but i'm also not super particular about it I, you know, I was super happy with the deer I shot this year. It was by no means a, a monster buck, but it was a nice six-point buck and really enjoyed it. Got a lot of good meat off of it. So we'll have to see how I feel next season. I don't know. It might be it might be kind of a spot, spot of the moment, spur of the moment kind of decision. Like, yep, that one looks good sort of thing. We'll have to see. I don't know. I think, you know, always kind of tweaking and tuning gear, as the season gets closer, you know, I'll probably come up with the new list of things that I'm going to try or, or try to implement and just really excited for what 2019 has in store for the podcast. We've started, I'm sure most of you have heard the episode that we did with Mike Tonkovich with the division of wildlife. And we've got plans to do more of that. I think we're going to shoot to try and do one of those a month or so. And so really excited for that sort of collaboration. Let us know what kind of questions and, and kind of topics you want us to talk with Mike about. Cause, uh, 
we're gonna we're gonna make time to to talk to him. So it's it's been great so far, and we've got a lot of uh, good things in store or in the works for 2019 as far as the podcast goes. So I think with that, anything else you guys want to mention before we before we shut this one off? I don't think so. I think that about covers it. Okay. Yeah, Jake, I, think I'm, I think I'm good. Just kind of looking back. I mean, just thanks to all the loyal listeners. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you said, we our last episode with Mike was a, you know, kind of a big, big thing for us. Uh, we were really we put a lot of time and effort into that episode and thought and you know. Uh, making that collaboration and we're looking forward to continuing that. Um, but thanks to our listeners, uh, people that have been around since the beginning, um, you know, not that we've been doing this for years and years, but, <laughs> right. um, you know, I mean, we started with only a couple people that gave us the time of day, time out of their day to listen. So yeah, thanks to everyone that's sharing, telling their friends, um, we're enjoying doing it. Uh, keep spreading the word where our goal is to, you know, get the information and get good information out to the hunters in Ohio. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it continues to grow. And, and like Jake said, we, you know, we really, we really like getting the feedback, you know, we've been getting good feedback. People are enjoying the show, so we're going to keep doing them. All right. Well, if there's nothing else, then uh, I think we'll sign off here. As always, subscribe to the show. That's the best way to make sure you're getting notified of new episodes. We do a new one every Tuesday, or we release them every Tuesday, one a week. We've also got a, an email newsletter that you can sign up for. There'll be a, a link to that in the show notes. That's basically new episodes and any kind of, if we're doing a giveaway or anything like that. If, you're, if you've signed up for that newsletter and you haven't been getting them, Check your spam folder. We've been finding that that uh, for some reason people's spam filters have been a little overzealous with with the emails. I'm I'm not sure how to keep those from going into spam. But if you're if you've signed up for the newsletter or you you do sign up for the newsletter, check your spam folder. Make sure that uh, the Ohio Huntsman emails aren't going into spam. You can just mark them as not spam, and then they'll come into your inbox. Then after that, follow us on social so we're ohio huntsman on facebook ohio huntsman podcast on instagram we're always posting you know what we're up to interesting news articles you know doing instagram stories that kind of thing so it's a good way to keep up to date with with what we've got going on and as i mentioned at the beginning we've still got our ohio huntsman eat local shirts so get yourself a shirt a long sleeve shirt and we've even got hoodies and women's and youth sizes in the t-shirts so with that if you guys don't have anything else we'll shut her down uh the only other thing i do have to add and i've been meaning to say it the last couple episodes but um i can vouch the ohio huntsman's hoodies they are very very warm um so with the cold weather those hoodies um it's one of the if not the warmest, one of the warmest hoodies that I own. So That's, I would check them out. Yeah, I don't have one yet. I need to get I need to get one. But yeah, Jake has has been uh, raving over the warmth of those hoodies. So get yourself a hoodie. 
All right. Anything else? No, I'm good. Cool. All right. I want to thank everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.